Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. We took a little break, but we're back today sitting down with George Burge, his first venue show in Las Vegas, Nevada, right here at Stoney's Rock and Country. We talked country. We talked tequila, golf, whiskey jam. We even talked about growing up in Austin, Texas, playing 6th Street at 14 and making the big move to Nashville, Tennessee. Let's get to know George Burge. I'm catching up with a whiskey side of me The guy that shows up when they pour them all strong A little laid back Welcome to another episode of Toad's Tunes. Mr. George Burge in the house. Welcome to Vegas, dude. Glad to be here, man. Welcome to Stoney's on top of that. World famous. Uh, first time, too, which is pretty crazy, man. I've had so many friends come through here, and then you look on the wall and you see all your friends that are coming through later this year. So right. nice to finally get here and uh, make our mark. Hell yes. Uh... I would say that that back wall. Even did you walk the back wall and see all the artists up there? Yeah, we took a little took a little cruise around the place. It's kind of neat to see the artists that have come through here. I always like to say that um, these artists that are on top of the world right now, like Luke Combs. Yeah, he played here. Uh, Morgan Wallen's been here twice. Brett Young played here. I'm trying to think who else. Um, actually, Dustin Lynch. I never booked him, but he showed up one night when Jake Rose was playing and just hopped on the stage and started playing. That's like, the beauty of country music, man. Yeah. These people, they come to town in Vegas. I just see it online last night that Parker was in town, McCollum, and uh, you, you're going up to Country Fan Fest. I think he's playing Friday. You're on Friday, too, right? Yeah, Yeah, Friday. so you're playing the same night We're playing the same night as Parker. It should That's, be a pretty cool lineup. Yeah. A couple Texas boys out there. I love it. We had Chris Colston here last night. Texas translates very well in this club. Very well. You know, it's uh, there's cowboys out here in Vegas, too, man, which yeah. I like. Uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, I love the, uh, y'all have got a really great Western vibe out here, too. So I, I can imagine. Imagine between the the two Stefan and the country fans that, that Texas does all right out here. And Texas does just fine. This town used to not have any country. We used to have like when NFR came to town, no competition, zero. Wow. We were the place. We've been around uh, actually August, middle of August. We've been open sixteen years. It's Love crazy. to see it, man. It's crazy. Anyway, you started it. You know that's a you, country is countrywide, as they say. But yep. yeah, it's a it's a it's cool to see it kind of expand in Vegas, and even on socials. You know, just seeing people um, commenting, hearing it on the radio in Vegas, and there's a bunch of country fans in Vegas. Yep. And You know, it's uh, it's nice to see, and and we want to help grow that too. Have you ever played in Vegas before? Uh, yeah, I've played. Um, well, I say that. Uh, oh, wait, I've, I know this. You played yeah. uh, Christmas time with. Um, yeah. The guitar jam thing. So I came and uh, did a radio show out here, did the guitar pole, yep. and then I also um, I played with Bobby Bones at the Wynn uh, out here, just how, the acoustic set out there. How was that? It was really cool, man. The Wynn is an insane hotel, and um, we played golf that morning, so it was nuts just like coming down from your room, walking out of the elevator onto a golf course in the middle of the city. It was insane. And then, you know, uh, the theater had about as good of acoustics as I've ever heard. It was a sold-out show. Um, we sold out a merch. The crowd is amazing. Um, I had a tequila sponsor out there, Comsario Tequila. They brought me a, a 12-year bottle of Anejo like, oh boy. tequila that was absolutely insane. So we had a really good night, man. That's not bad, man. I guess going on the road with somebody like that, he's got some uh, notoriety behind him and a fan base, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's done a good job of digging into me and, and really been a supporter and, and played my music a lot on his shows. So we've become really good friends. And, That's good. Um, it's, it's always nice to, to play for a packed house. I want to say that I saw him in Nashville once at either an ACM or CMA thing or something like that when I was back there. He's... It's an interesting band. Definitely an interesting band. He's, yeah, He's got yeah. that sense of humor, which is He's, good. He absolutely does. He knows how to talk to an audience, and, and you know, it's that that's the power of his show, too, is every day he's, you know, 30 million people listening, so yeah, when nuts. he's playing your song, it's it's pretty cool. It's Yeah, you got that. You've got XM. That's huge. It's nuts, dude. That's a good thing to be a part of. 
for sure. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Austin, Texas. Not a bad spot to come up. Um, you know, I, I always say that that city raised me. They call it the place that the cowboys and the hippies get along, and I feel like I'm a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, I was playing 6th Street, uh, downtown Austin, at 14 years old with X's on my hand, and um, it's cool. You just walk down 6th Street, and you can hear every genre of music, yep, from rock and true. roll to country to folk to, you know, everything. And and so that kind of bled over to, to my songwriting and, and my sound. And, um, you know, we started playing live shows and having friends coming out and eventually made enough noise to where we were selling out shows every night and got Nashville's attention. And that's kind of how I moved to Nashville and got my first record deal. I want to go back to Austin and then we'll move on to Nashville. I used to go uh, to South by Southwest. Yeah. On, on early 2000s, an awful lot. Be, I haven't always been in the country world. I listened a little bit of everything. Um, Play some people in bands that made it kind of cool, helped bands get record deals. I love that whole South by Southwest vibe back then. I have no idea how it is today. It's morphed into a different beast now. I mean, it's still obviously incredible when people come from all over the country, but um, it is definitely uh, expanded in the music scene. Um, you know, it, it used to be like a country and storyteller festival right. and, and stuff like that, and it's changed a little bit. There's not much uh, country in it anymore. It's still incredible, but, you know, coming up, South by Southwest was amazing. I played it as a kid, and um, it's just... It, it, it's a chance for local bands to get to share the spotlight with national acts and then right. you've got national you know decision makers in town so you've got labels and managers and all this stuff people that can change your life and you don't know who's at the bar listening so that was pretty special and a pretty big journal in rush and that was the first time i met a record record label executive was playing i think i was 18 years old we play our south by southwest set and somebody comes up and he's like hey i'm with atlantic records i like your sound here's my card you know almost out of a movie right. like really yep. cool stuff and so um it was a pretty special place to grow up because i didn't realize you know not every city's like that they're not. Yeah. I saw a band that was from the UK that played in the United States one time. And I, um, not country, their, their, um, their band name was Ocean Size. And the guy's name is Mike Venart, was a singer, had like, I want to say like four guitar players in the band. I used to drink back in that day and I was at the bar and I grabbed my, my vodka and seven up and I was standing there and I heard guitar, 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 all in or, and I held my drink their whole set. Never even took a sip of it because I was just blown captivated. Away. Just stole it. Now Mike actually plays with a band called Biffy Clyro. He's like their utility guy. And whenever they come to Vegas, I go see him. And just a badass experience to see him come from a band that I loved back then to hear the Magic of music. And they only played the United States one time. That's so funny. That's that's wild. I uh, uh, We were getting coffee this morning, and, and uh, our tour manager, Morgan, was geeking out because the lead singer of one of her favorite bands was sitting there getting coffee at the same shop Who's as that? us in Vegas. I, it was outside of my. It was a pop uh, punk band. I'm gonna have to ask my, her. That's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. Vegas is an interesting town like that because you. I mean, you never know who's in town, who's around. I mean, uh, we talked about Dustin Lynch. I've had Billy Gibbons on that stage. I've had Gavin DeGraw on that stage. They come in, and Gavin was here um, with Dusty Black, and uh, knew I didn't drink, and it was one of those things. I'm like, dude, you get on my stage. He goes, bro, you take a shot, and I went, shit, okay. <laughs> and there it was. So you do what you got to do, yeah. right? Yeah, he. I. Uh, I've. I've been out with Gavin a couple of times, and he is definitely notorious for putting the pressure on. Well, that was a win-win, if you ask me, man. Yeah, he knows how to put on a good time, dude. I mean, I think I. I, I want to say, I called the booking agent the next morning. I said, just for shits and giggles, Gavin, one-off acoustic. What's that cost? He's like, you want to book him? I was like, no, I just want to know how much I saved. Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. At what age did you move to Nashville? Well, before I tell you, I was going to say, we're, we're actually going to play some Gavin tonight. And Beautiful. To that. So, yeah, we'll, I love we'll make it. sure we, we crank some of that up on stage tonight, too. Uh, I moved to Nashville kind of early 20s. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, I had never had an intention of playing music for a living. It was just something that I loved. It was something that I've been doing since I was a kid. What's the driver that got you to Nashville? Uh, that Atlantic Records card? No, that was, you know, I, I didn't pay any mind to that at the time. Um, you know, I went to college and got a desk job and, and was doing that. And I would rehearse at night with my band and we would play, you know, every weekend at the Rattle Inn in Austin. It wasn't a big room, 500 person room. Um, but eventually we started selling it out every time we played it. Beautiful. And that buzz kind of got up to Nashville. Um, and a guy named Scott, Scott Borchetta uh, from Big Machine Records. Never heard that name before. Yeah, came down and saw us play and uh, offered us a record deal on the spot, and we moved wow. to Nashville. Yeah. Just like that. I didn't realize that most people don't move to Nashville with a record deal, no. but we got pretty lucky. So yeah. I, would, I would say the majority, uh, or the average per se, lived there nine, ten years before, before yeah, it happened. Yeah, it's a right? ten-year town, and yeah. I'm going on nine years right now of being in town there, and... Um, the town is just starting to open up for me where I feel like I know everybody there. We're starting to have a pretty palatable amount of success. That's right. Um, we're starting to get a big draw nationally. And um, so it, it, they're not lying when they say it's a 10-year town. And I would say the artist I was when I moved to town versus the artist I am now is night and day. Like, It'd have to be. I yeah, think. I've learned how to write a song. I've been influenced by some of the best writers in town. I've learned how to put on a show. And I've you know been taught so many tricks and tips of the road from performance to how to handle yourself at like hotels and travels and buses and all that stuff. It's a... It's it's like drinking from a fire hose, and it literally does take you 10 years to kind of figure all that stuff out. I just had an artist come through that played in September. Her name is Royal Lynn. Um, didn't sell any tickets at her first show. We Our walk-up is crazy on Friday nights. I think she sold 88 tickets, played for 700 and something people. Yeah. Rad. She just came back two weeks ago, sold 352 tickets, and then played for 943 people. Wow. Um, her performance, her attitude, her knowledge of the game in just that short amount of time changed a lot. It takes it, you know, and that's the best advice that I can give everybody that's kind of on the come up or chasing it or hungry is like, you can't dip your toe in the water. No. Like, you have to move to Nashville. Right. You have to, you know, be hungry and you have to go out there and be drinking club soda with lime in it because you can't afford a tequila soda at whiskey yeah. jam and, but, and be out there and meeting people and grinding and, you know, and get your face rubbed in the dirt a couple of times because that that's what, that's what builds that character, and that's what what teaches you, you know, the the industry. You've played Whiskey Jam. Yep. Um, how was your first experience there? It was awesome, man. It's just you don't realize like what an awesome sense of like community Nashville has until you go out and do something like that. And it's the the coolest part about Nashville is nobody's from Nashville. Yeah. You know, everybody there's a transplant, so it's like you. It's not as intimidating where you when you know nobody else there knows what the fuck they're doing either. So just go and say hi to somebody, and they'll probably talk to you. You know, which is cool. And there's no pretension or anything like that. And and because we're all strangers in that town, it makes it feel smaller because there's not this like barrier of saying hi to people. We're all looking sure. for friends. We're all looking to meet people we're all looking to network you know i'm sure like you do you get a lot of people that ask you where to go in nashville and things yeah. to do um we have a bartender here that's heading there the first of the month and she just asked me yesterday she was like you know where should i go and and i'm like what are you going out there with it i think it's like a bachelorette party or some shit yeah. like that but she's going and she's like i know we have to do the broadway thing that's like fremont street here. sure I'm like screw, sure like to me it's like screw that right um but i'm i was telling her you got to go to winners and losers you gotta go to the red door yeah i mean red door you go outside and sit out there um i haven't been back to nashville since thanksgiving two years ago was the last time but we'd always just go and just sit there hang yeah. out grab a drink or something like that and just chill but by the end of the night you get all these players that come in that have walked through here sometimes the singers like all kinds of stuff it's pretty neat man yeah it's one of those spots you just go post up and yeah. eventually you run into people you know and the more times you go the more people you know and then you know 
next thing you know, somebody famous is half drunk with a guitar on stage, you right. know, playing songs that they weren't planning on saying. And I, and I think that's the magic of that town, which is really cool. And then, you know, the, um, that like singer songwriter guitar pull style stuff. If, if you're ever able to get into the Bluebird, that's a really yeah. special experience. Um, the listening room is really great for upcoming singer songwriters yep. to go hear them tell their stories and kind of hone their craft. Um, you know, there on Broadway. I'm partial to a place called Roberts Western World, especially on I've Thursday heard, night. That's dude, let me a, tell you yeah, how many people talk about that. Place. That's the spot for me. That's old school Nashville, and I, and I really dig it. Um, but for me, it's like I do love going to honky tonks, and I do love hearing cover songs. Um, but the most pleasure I get is hearing people's original songs and, yeah. and hearing people's stories and like how they were led to write those songs, and you know what the passion behind it is. That's where I really like can zone in and and enjoy myself um not to say that i haven't you know howled at the moon on broadway my fair share of times yeah, but i definitely I think that's like, part of the process yeah exactly well, exactly so john marks you know that guy i do him and i um he doesn't think he's a mentor to me but he is in some sense i mean because we break new artists here um in this market, Russell Dickerson's played here seven times. Yeah. The first time he played here for 250 people. Yeah. And the last two times he played here, we sold it out. Love it. Um, and that's kind of what we like to do. And one of the things I talked to John about was Broadway. And I used to always say that there's two types of artists. There's the guys that play Broadway and the guys that don't. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. Because the way he put it was, you go play Broadway to build a following. Yeah. That's what you do. That's how you start it. And... Um, you get that fan base and you get those people to follow. You get those people to interact with you and sneak in your originals every sure. now and then, which I thought was super cool. I want to go back to the Bluebird for a sec. I went back for um, CRS one year. Um, Russell Dickerson was the new, a new face. Jimmy Allen. I forget who else was on that. Uh, I walked out and a bunch of radio guys going, hey, man, you want to see Garth Brooks with us? And I was like, nope. And they're like, what about Zach Brown? I'm like, no. They're like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go see some new music. Yeah. And they said, well, Garth's going to play a new song. And I went, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so they're like, where are you going? So I went to the Basement East. Yeah. And I saw Austin Jenks. And then I went from there to the Bluebird. And I saw Stephanie Quayle with like three other chicks. I forgot who, who they were. But that's what I'm all it's about. special, man. Hell, yeah. dude, you can't pay for that. Well, and the other thing that I would say, like especially on these new artists, when you talk about like playing Broadway or playing these places where it's a bit overwhelming and nobody knows who you are and you're trying to get your name out there. And you know that cover songs are a security blanket. Sure. If you play Wagon Wheel, if you play Sweet Home Alabama, if you play that stuff, people are going to sing along and they're going to and that's going to get them in there but i always tell new artists that it's like you got to be brave enough to play your own stuff up there too even if 90 percent of the crowd is talking if you connect with 10 percent of the crowd on an original song they're going to remember you as a person if you connect with 95 percent of the crowd on a cover song they're going to say oh yeah we danced to wagon wheel i have no idea who sang it you know and i think that's a big difference is being brave enough to step up there and play original music not to say that you can't reel them in a little bit with the cover songs but it does take some balls to get up there and there's a time and a place and, man. and, and play it yeah my motto here is is if i hear too many covers um i should have never booked you in the first place yeah. because like broadway i've got las vegas boulevard that is filled with the best musicians in town yeah so i mean it's no different i mean yeah. if that's what i wanted so i always encourage artists to come through here if you start to lose the crowd Switch it up. Exactly. Play a cover, bring them back in, and then go right back to your Well, and I would say, like, even even us who have a record deal and have a song on national radio and have some fans and, and are starting to get some attention, I probably, if I'm being realistic with myself, 90% of my audience only knows three of my songs-ish, right? Yep. And I'm going to go up there and play 60 to 75 You're gonna minutes. You're going to say Whiskey Side, Beer, Beer, Truck, Truck, and... Mind on You. Yeah. Yeah. And so... 
outside of those, I'm going to play a lot of originals, but I have to make sing covers to sure. keep people interested. But we kind of strategically do, you know, 70, 30, 70% originals, 30% yep. covers. And I, and I think that's kind of the magic thing is you portray who you are as an artist, you tell the stories behind the songs, and then you play some sing-alongs to make sure that everybody's hyped throughout the show. Would you say that the covers that you find yourself playing are the ones that influence you to be the artist you are today? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Like, we're, we're going to play I Don't Want to Be uh, by uh, Gavin DeGraw tonight, and like yeah. I will never forget going to see Gavin at the Paramount Theater in Austin when I was in high school, and he was just him and a guitar, and I was like, jaw on the floor by Dude, talent. his talent <laughs> um, so that was a massive influence for me but the big thing we try to do is not play Broadway covers we try, no, right. try to not play covers that everybody's heard or try not to play covers within our genre that are just kind of a uh, uh, you know a budget take on on the real song. We we try to take covers outside of the genre, turn them country, and put our own spin on them. As yeah. you should. I think that's right. After Midtown, do you, you know yeah, those guys? Yeah. They came in here and they played Scars by Papa Roach as one of their covers. It's really cool, man. Dude, this place upside down. Yeah. So I have this, this my buddy Steven comes through here. Um, he had a hit way back in the day called Cowgirl and Slash played guitar on it. Wow. Kind of country, kind of party band I, don't, I really don't know what to say but he has just for some reason met the right people so he's done four shows here where he brings artists founding original touring artists with bands like panic at the disco goo goo dolls fuel puddle insane of yeah so he's coming back here on the 11th and this time he's bringing one of the founders of weezer in here the drummer from goo goo dolls a guitar player from goo goo dolls um uh charlie collin from train who wrote drops of jupiter calling all angels and when he does these shows you freak out because all it is is a night of way out of our element for country yeah but it's just banger after banger after banger, and you just watch these people and it's just it turns into a party which I don't want to say it's a cover band because yeah. these guys are from they're, the band. So there's like that little... Yeah. Well, and outside of genre even, right? Like, uh, I, I think we're in a really cool phase right now, even in country music, where the genre line is kind of blurring and you've got yeah, a lot absolutely. more creative freedom and you can push the boundaries or not. But like, people are just looking for passion. People yeah. are looking... Relatability. Like, do you believe it when yeah. you're singing it? Can they tell you feel what's what yeah. you're putting out there? And And honestly, like once I understood that, and I wasn't chasing anymore, and I wasn't chasing the radio or chasing these guys that were breaking, and I just decided to be myself, that was when it finally started working for me, too. So it's like country fans can sniff bullshit Absolutely. from a mile away. And so it's like it, you're looking for passion and relatability, man. I had an artist come through here, and on this he told me that he released a song because he knew it would get to radio. Yeah. And that, to me, was that's not cool. Yeah. Because it, it, I, haven't, I haven't heard his name in a while. But um, it's just kind of funny how that works. First stage you ever stepped on that just scared the shit out of you to get out there and do your thing? Oh, the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, yeah man. That was, I walked out there and I told myself that I was going to own it and put my shoulders back. And I walked out there and I pulled the microphone off the stand and my hand was shaking so bad in the first five seconds I had to put the microphone back <laughs> on the stand. Because you couldn't hold it? Yeah, because you just, I mean, it's like overwhelming how many people have been there and like how important that feeling is. But, I mean, I used to have really bad anxiety on stage just because, you know, it's not something that you're used to or that you grow up doing. And you go right. out there and there's a couple hundred people. I mean, I remember my first 30 shows, like I wouldn't eat the night before. Like I wouldn't you know, be able to function during the day. It's just like this anxiety. Sure. And as you get more comfortable with your craft and your ability to perform and like you trust your band behind you and you, you eliminate a lot of the uh, variables, then you can kind of settle in on stage and focus on the performance and the songs. And now, you know, we played Red Rocks and uh, with I was uh, with Brantley Gilbert. Holy poop. It was amazing. Two nights sold out back to back. But I walked on stage and I was excited and I had adrenaline, but zero fear or nerves because, you know, I trust, I know that I can do what I'm going to do and I know the band behind me can do what they're going to do. Right. And so that 
was a big like aha turning point moment for me when I could walk out there and enjoy that stage versus be scared of that stage. And that was that was a moment for me that I'll never forget because that was like, okay, I'm comfortable in my own skin and that feels really good. Had you been to Red Rock before you played that show? No. So I've been there two or three times. I've yet to see a show there. My buddy lives just in downtown Denver, so I've been up there quite a few times. Oh, wow. And I've never seen a show there. And I'm kind of, I guess, in that point where I'm just waiting for the artist that I really want to see. Your your Opry debut, um, who did you invite backstage with you? Because I know that you have a tight list to go to that. Like, Yeah, so I'm a family guy. Yeah. Um, that's that's like the most important thing to me. So I had my wife and my two little boys with me. How old are um, your boys? Four and six. Hell yeah. Yes. It's amazing. So much fun. And they're starting to get old enough to where they can kind of understand a little bit what dad's doing. Right. And then uh, I had my manager back there with me and uh, the head of my label. And that was it. You know, yeah. it was our crew. And... Uh, it was special, man. It was uh, it was really, really uh, a unique experience. We got a tour of the place. It's priceless. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you rehearse with the Opry band, which yep. is world class, and um, it it was pretty priceless. And and it's just two songs. You know, you yep. get up there and play two songs, and it's over and, and you're as done. fast as you were there. But but it's uh it's one that not a lot of people get to say that they got to do. So and it's something that nobody can take away from you. So it's pretty special. Never, yeah. never. I went back. Um, I saw. I've I've only been to the Opry three times. And they were for three debuts. I went for Stephanie Quayle's, Tony Jackson's, and Sam Gross. Oh, wow. Sam's and, a really good buddy. Dude, I love that dude. Yeah. Uh, um, I like to say that I'm a grown-ass man, but I sat right next to his daughter. And um, I had the hardest time. Not, not, I, you know when you bite down to keep yourself from crying? Oh, yeah. It took everything I had because I knew the story um, about his dad, um, the, the Why'd You Have to Go song. Yeah. And, uh. He told me the story pr- prior to all of that, how they used to drive by there, and his dad would always tell him, someday you're going to play there, someday yeah. you're going to play there. And so it was just like, shit, man. Yeah. But that experience, like, to get to go see the nerves and your friends and people that you've watched grow, and then all of a sudden, they're, that's, that's a big stage, man. It matters, man. And it's a goal, and it's special, and I think that, like, you know, as informal as music and social media has become which is awesome right like you get to see behind the scenes and you get to see somebody's real personality through social media and and you know how relatable artists are now and how fun everything is on stage it's it's really casual and it's a great fan experience but it's cool to have the opry as that one place where it's still like nerve-wracking and formal and like legendary yeah legendary and it's a tight list it's it's cool in my office downstairs i have um stephanie's uh um, song sheet that she gave to the artists because I got to sit back yeah. there when, when they learned the songs. Yeah, the chart. Yeah, that thing. Um, but, like, I'll go back probably 20 years ago. I worked with uh, a girl that was, uh, she was in New York signing her deal with Sony and then she had another uh, showcase in L.A. And so she was flying from New York to L.A. but she sent this demo to this keyboard, drummer, guitar, and bass player at like nine o'clock at night and she flew overnight got to the place 10 o'clock in the morning went in this room for her rehearsals rehearsed for like an hour then all of a sudden three songs are done and all these label guys from la come in just to make sure they were doing the right thing yeah and you see that that um these players unreal yeah dude they were all class i don't know if they didn't sleep that night whatever but then you go to the opera and you watch these guys and they're like oh yeah that one's cool that's easy and you're just like 
what the hell? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one listen through the song and yeah. one run through the song, and they've got it. And it's like, the first time you go, it's hard to really trust that, because you, well, you only listen one time. Are you sure you know how to play yeah. this thing? And they're looking at you, like, rolling their eyes, like, yeah, yeah trust us. So I've been doing it. this 30 and, years. Yeah. <laughs> and you get up there, and they don't miss a note. It's like you're playing to the record. It's pretty It's pretty special. Yeah. It is. Those guys are solid players. On your off time, what's your favorite thing to do? I love to golf, and I love to barbecue. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big uh, I'm a big backyard smoker guy. Smoking. I got a did a little partnership with Traeger, so I just got a brand new pellet smoker back there. And so I like to crack a cold beer and let a little smoke roll, hang out with the family and the dogs in the backyard. And then um, I love being on the golf course. I, I played briefly in college, and uh, it's something that it just relaxes me. I like being out there with friends. And, I yeah. play Army golf. A little, little left, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> I love yes, it. I was actually watching the Pro-Am that was on, God, I don't know if it was last weekend. And and uh, Steph Curry was playing. Yeah, and I'm watching these guys hit. I'm like, I could play with these dudes. Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to toot my own horn too bad, but um, I just got to. I got invited to play in the BMW Celebrity Pro Am this year. Where's um, that at? It's in Greenville, South Carolina. Beautiful and, place. Uh, I won it. So did you was, really? I got a giant trophy about this big and got to fly in a private jet, and it was it was pretty special, man. Yeah, that's pretty badass. I was playing you? with Ken Griffey Jr. and Canelo oh, wow. Alvarez and all these guys. It was Larry the Cable Guy. It was pretty fun, man. And you and you was it a um, a scramble sort of thing or it was just... it was a best ball with your with your pro? Got you. Yeah. Who was your pro? A guy named Brett Druid, an Australian guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great player. That's freaking rad. Did yeah. he save you, or did you save him? Or a little we both played pretty well. We yeah. did a good ham and egg. Yeah, that's so badass. It was a lot of fun. I used to play a par three tournament um, all the time here with some, some friends here in town. The only thing I ever won was closest to the pin, um, one time. Hey, you know, sometimes those pay pretty good too. <laughs> uh, I think it was a sleeve of golf balls, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about all I got. So smoking, um, I got my Traeger from Tim Montana because he's also tied in with Traeger. Love it. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, I literally I bought one of those flat tops. Yep. I cooked pancakes on it breakfast one time. Never used the damn thing again. Um, my girl, unfortunately, everything has to have char on it. Oh, so yeah. I had to go buy another damn barbecue because ours was old as hell. But I like to smoke stuff, man. Yeah. That's my favorite thing in the world is to throw a brisket on. Um, I don't know. Some people look at me funny, but I always brine my briskets. Okay. And um, I get the same response I get as, yeah, okay. But, you yeah. know, I do it with some whiskey and a whole bunch of fruit, and they just come out amazing. Amazing. I have to take your word for it. Texas, yeah. we do it a little different. I, you do. Oh, you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. I went to Austin last summer, and we went to, um, what's the big place there? If you say it, I'm going to know the name of it. You talking about Franklin? Nope. Uh, Stubbs? Nope. Um, There's a line out the door. The place is huge. Um Oh. Terry Black. Terry Black. Yeah. So I went there. I have a I have a problem. I'm allergic to rounded peppers. Okay. So I can't eat red, yellow, habanero, sure. cherry peppers. Nothing. If it touches it, I can't I can't touch it. Uh, and that also goes with paprika because paprika is a derivative oh, of a bell pepper. Wow. So when I go to these smoke places, I don't get shit. Like everyone else gets to enjoy it. I don't. Yeah. That's why you know I try different things with different stuff, but come to find out we walked in the back we went to the whole smoker thing and we listened to this guy i think i lost like 13 pounds i was standing in that room because it was so fucking <laughs> jesus but um they only use salt and pepper yeah and i was like oh my god that's so kind mad. of the texas way man they yeah. call it the dalmatian rub man salt and pepper yeah, that's salt, it oh my god yeah. i like yeah. it i like it um i will tell you though <laughs> one of these days when you're in town for a while um I'll, I will smoke a brisket my way, and I will just bring you some, and you can try it. You can laugh at me. It's still everything's still the same. It comes I bet. Out the same. I, I bet it's great, man. And I would honestly be honored to try it, Toad. So yeah, yeah if you're if you're cooking, I'm eating, man. That's pretty funny, man. We have a guy here in town that that runs a, a Rolling Smoke. And oh yeah. 
And whenever bands come to town and they want catering versus going to dinner, I ask them if they're cool with barbecue. They're like, yeah, I call him up because he loves music. He just loves music. So he brings the food. We don't have to pay for it. He just how awesome is that? takes care of the band. And he does it for Michael Ray every time he comes to town, which is freaking cool. Well, let's dial that in next time, Dude, man. dude you will that. be back next time. That's for sure. Let's talk about the rest of the year. I know I'm going to see you next week up at Country Fan yep. Fest, which is rad. Um, you leave before that. You have another stop before you get up to Utah? Yeah, we're going to Montana first. What's so, up there? Um, uh, just another country festival. Oh. I'm blanking on the name of it right now. But right we're on. playing a country festival up there in Montana. And then we'll go straight from Montana to Utah. And then um, what do we have the rest of the year? We've got um, Tidal Wave up there in Atlantic City, which should be really cool. Uh, another big festival. We're out with Gary Allen some, out with Scotty McCreary some. Um, I think we got some Jake Owen dates. That's and, rad, man. And we're all over the place. So it's uh, it's really starting to pick up. And then we're getting to do some headlining stuff and, and having people show up again, too, which is, uh, man, that's... That's, that's got to feel good. That's really gratifying. There's it's I'll tell you this. It's incredible to go open for guys and play in front of five and 10,000 people. There's no better feeling, right? Especially right. when you get them and you turn them into your fans. But to go to but to go to go some markets, um, especially where they've really been hammering us on the radio, and show up and have 500 people there specifically for you and know right. that you so drew when? fans out there yourself, like it's, it's pretty special. And, uh, and that number's growing every day, man. So it's pretty cool. That's the goal is to keep growing. What would you say today, like uh, these artists that you've gone out with, like who do you feel like has mentored you the most? That's a great question. Um, Gary Allen has become like a, a super mentor and you play golf with him? super close friends. We play golf a bunch. <laughs> um, Clay Walker, big mentor. Oh, right. He's recorded yeah. a bunch of my songs. Um, Jake Owen and I hang on the bus almost after every show. I've, I've probably done 20 shows with him. Um, Brantley Gilbert, same thing. All these guys have just been so cool to me, man, taking me under their wing. And, and you know, they give you advice on... on I love to ask them like, how did you A&R your first record? How did you figure out your lane? How did you figure out who you were as an artist? How did you know that it was happening? What did it feel like the first time you know, like, yeah. oh my gosh. That this you're is, in the right place yes, at the right this time. Is, it's happening. Um, Colt Ford, one of my best friends, he's kind of done it the underground way, and I've learned a ton from him on that, on how to command an audience. That's and, hustle, too. Yeah, it's, all, it's pure grit and grind, man, which I really, really admire on his end and then uh more recently um gotten to start to be friends with um dustin lynch which is really cool um we played Greeley stampede out there in colorado with him and he invited us up for his catering we had sushi and and uh smash burgers and talked music and hung and i, I really thought the world of him great guy right. and then watching his set it's like you don't even realize how many hits that guy has he's just been so consistently great for so long so i've been very lucky to have a bunch of these guys kind of take me under their wing give me advice it's and, almost and give a dream come true dude yeah it really is man and and it shows me how I want to treat other people once we make it. You know, yeah. it shows me who, who I want to be, too. Yeah. I will tell you, without saying names, we've had artists that have come through here that have been here. And then as they've gotten some more notoriety, they've come back and been a completely different person. And oh, yeah. And that's not healthy. I've seen it happen. Yeah. I've seen it happen. And I won't name names either. But there's definitely that side of the coin, too. And it sucks, man. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. sucks. Because I always say, on your way up, you're going to be the same on your way down. Well, and, you know, it, would I choose the path that I've taken to do it again, uh, not really. Like it's been a a lot longer and, and a lot harder path than most for me to get here. I'm going to interrupt you real quick, yeah. but doesn't it mean more that way? Exactly, and that's what. It, and that, that's the biggest thing is like now I've gotten to see all this, 
and I know how much it means to me now, and I know how I want to treat other people, and I, I know what it felt like to get stepped on, and I know what it felt like to be given a hand up. And so would I want to do it again the way I did it? Not really, but am I thankful for the absolutely. way I did it now yeah. that I'm here? Yeah, absolutely. There's always that, that, that analogy, would you rather win the lottery or earn that money? Yeah. And I, there's two different types of people. Sure. A lot of people are entitled and lazy, and they're fine with that. I mean, would it yeah. be nice to win it? Hell yeah. Yeah. But then you go back to the grind. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and that's where you know that you get well, to Well, and how point. quick does that does that instant buzz wear off, too? Um, you know? I mean, what, what did that someone just won for? One billion something dollars. I, that ain't wearing off shit unless you unless you die. I mean, <laughs> I think you could take care of like uh, three hundred people with That's that right. money. That's right. Well, I just I, what I what I more mean is like I'm sur- <laughs> surface level stuff wears off in time. When sure. when then there's depth and something's earned, uh, it matters more and it means more. Yeah. You get, you you have a single with Nelly. Yeah. I, um. You got one with Rodell Duff too, but sure. let's just go back to Nelly. Like, how the hell does that come together? Yeah. And, um. Barry Weiss called me. Um. Who has Nelly on his label? And uh, beer, beer, truck, truck was going insane at the time. Uh, viral. And uh, he was like, "Hey, man, Nelly's putting out an album, and we'd love to have you do a song with him." And I was like, "Well, yeah, obviously." <laughs> Duh. You know? And so he sent me three songs, and. Uh, someone somewhere the one that i sang on was the one that really jumped off the page and connected to me um you know same thing about giving people a hand up and giving people the right. the better side of the deal and um and so i got to hop on there and cut a vocal and the next thing i know is on nelly's album and he's playing it live shows and my voice is coming through the speaker and his stadium shows like it it, it was pretty cool to, did you get to go play any shows with them we and... haven't gotten to play any yet but that may change soon so, that's beautiful yeah. that would be freaking rad yeah man. um Around the corner, you said you got new music coming. How far out is that? Probably September, right? Yeah. Um, You're going to work on this song till it gets to number one? Yes, exactly. Uh, Mind on You is killing our first top 30 ever. I saw uh, 29. This week, 29. Yep. And huge. the research has been absolutely insane at radio. And so Good. it's growing like a wildfire. And, and our streaming numbers are starting to really pop. And it, it, it's just really exciting for me. And so we're going to let that cook. And then in September, um, I've got three songs that I'm just like over the moon about. Uh, you drop them all at the same time, to... or you? I haven't decided yet. I, so I dropped ten songs, the full album, um, which was only three new songs, and then seven that were already out, um, just about a month ago. And that's been fun to let fans kind of connect with that. So I may do an extension of that album, maybe like a, a, a drop bonus edition. Got yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You print vinyl. I haven't yet, but I'm definitely going to because the album art on this album is, it's all hand-drawn by this amazingly talented girl. And um, I'm thinking about getting it tattooed on my arm. Beautiful. So, yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably print some vinyl on it too, yeah. That's my collection thing, man. I absolutely love vinyl. I just got a Deftones album, the Red album. It, just, it came out, I think it went on sale like three, four months ago. It just finally got delivered this week. Well, we'll have to get you one, man. Hell yeah. yeah. I love the vinyl. Dude, tell people how to find you online. So just anything George Burge, uh, George, B-I-R-G-E, um, anywhere you listen to music, uh, or georgeburge.com. And uh, if y'all do find me from this, say hi, let me know, and uh, can't wait to see you guys on the road. Love it. Thanks again for the time. Thanks, Toad. If you ever get thinking, thinking about coming on back, Girls in them tight jeans, small town